0: Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to stay kind of in the same vein that we were in last week. Last week we talked about the the blessing of church membership. We spent our time in Titus chapter 2 just looking to see God's plan for the way that we interact with one another, God's plan for um, people, uh, believers coming and committing themselves to one another, and how God uses that for the sanctification of the body, and just what a blessing it is. And uh, so today I want to look in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I want to look and think about the responsibility of church membership. So last week was the blessing, but every blessing comes with responsibility. That's just, uh, that's the way that works. So 1 Corinthians 12, we could read the whole chapter, but... Um, We're going to look at verse 18 through 25. Okay. The, the chapter in, in, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is really focused on this idea that there is one body with many members. Okay. So, um, each member is different and there are different functions within the body and we are in need of the whole thing. So then we look in verse 18 and we pick up here, Paul says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Now, I want to stop there. So we said... Uh, The the title of the message or what we're going to be thinking about this morning is The Responsibility of Church Membership. And I really want to encapsulate that um, with 1 Corinthians 12, 25. And that is, is that we're working together, we're living together, we're trying to function in such a way as a body... That there are no schisms, or that is no divisions in the body, but that the members are receiving the same care one for another. Okay, so having the same care one for another. Now I want to kind of come out just a little bit and and uh, build our way into this. So first point this morning, number one. Um. We are, 1 Corinthians twelve twenty seven, we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Okay, we make up, as we as we come together this morning, as we gather together, as we assemble together, <laughs> we are assembled together, not as the body of Ripley Primitive Baptist Church in, uh, primarily. We call ourselves that, and that's good and that's fine, but that's just a name for saying this is the body of Christ that's meeting in this particular location. We're gathered here together because of what we said last week. Jesus Christ is building His church. He's adding to His church. And as His um, churches meet and gather together and commit themselves to the work that Christ means to be doing through His church, we meet together as a body or as the body of Christ here. as a body of Christ. Secondly, since we are the body of Christ, and and as opposed to, and we could just fill in the blank with a bunch of different things, Uh, we're uh, we're not a recreational body. We're a body that's come here to worship and to function as the Lord has called us to. We're not a political body. We're not a um, uh, we're not a body that's gathered together uh, primarily due to some sort of interest outside of life in Christ. The life that we receive and the fellowship that we have is all based around the person and work of Jesus Christ and growing into what He would have us to be. So we're We're His body. We're new creations in Him. All right, so secondly, out of 1 Corinthians 12.18, God has set the members in the body as it has pleased Him. Now, we believe this. We believe that there is no accident that people belong to the particular bodies that they belong to. That God in His sovereignty and in His providence has knit this body together and given the people along with the gifts that he would have us to have for this season of the body's existence. And we believe that all of that is based on God's sovereign design. Now, I don't mean that in a fatalistic way, but I do mean that in such a way that if you're here, you're not here by accident. And, and, and if you're here and, and the Lord has brought you here, Going back to what we mentioned last week out of uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, He has equipped you with the ability to contribute to the body here. And none of that has been on accident. So we're the body of Christ. God has set the members here in the body as it has pleased Him. Now third, and and we're going to park it on the fourth point. These are just preliminary points. Not only are we the body, not only has God set the members in the body as it has pleased him, but number three, God has equal concern for every member of his body. Now, we've usually talked about this by saying that in the church of God, there are no big eyes and small U's. You know, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. God does not have more concern over one member than he does the other member. And so God has equal concern for every member of the body. And this passage, particularly verse 25, commands that we show equal concern for every member of the body as well. So 1 Corinthians 12, 25, there should be no schism division in the body but that the members should have the same care one for another. Okay. Now, this is really what we're going to be thinking about practically this morning. So let me, uh, let me start out by saying that as we are thinking about showing concern and care for the body as a whole, That means that two things are happening simultaneously. Number one, you are active in caring for the body. Number two, you are also willingly receiving the care of the body. Okay, Both of those things are going on simultaneously. So there is no member of the body who's placed here simply to receive. You're here to give and receive. And we should say that also vice versa. There is no member here that's been, that's been placed here simply to give. Okay. We are, um, recipients and distributors. Okay. Both of those should be going on. Uh, we, if, if what we said last week out of Titus 2 is, is true and it's a reality, um, then we're busy Ministering to other, but also receiving the ministry from others as fellowship is concerned. Uh, Ephesians chapter four would would uh, highlight this equal concern for all. Look in Ephesians chapter four, when we think about God anyway, and God's mind and his concern for the church. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, it says that He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or that is a mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Who is it that the Lord is um, concerned with in coming to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ? It's all of us. These gifts have been given to the church, not just the few that are named off there in uh, verse 11, but... Verse 7 again is very clear that we've all been gifted by grace and that gift has been given to you and has been given to me so that we could use that for the edifying of the body until we all, till we all. John chapter 17 verse 21, again we have this emphasis here of all. Jesus prays for his people, for his church, that we all may be one, even as he and his father are one. Now, as we think about this, practically speaking, we are looking forward to the day when all who have been redeemed through the blood of Christ are gathered together in heaven around the throne and we are in unity and in fellowship as one before God. But as far as the way that this prayer works its way out practically now, the primary fulfillment of that is going to be as each church body is moving in unity or is, is functioning in unity as we are one with one another. So we want to think about this morning, how, how do we live this out? How do we live this out? How is this something that we um, strategically and intentionally give our time and attention to? Now, I'll just say this, as with some of the things we were talking about last week, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul was constantly encouraging churches that um, that they would abound more and more and more and more. Okay, so we should never be content with where we are okay in um in the Christian life, there is always room for growing, there's always need for growing, and um so that's what we want to try to emphasize as we're here. How do we live this same care for one another out well. Give a few comments first. Number one, this is lived out as each individual is willing to express and receive care. Okay? Now, if we could do a word picture here, if you could just kind of picture, um, if you could picture, there's probably a better way to do this, but. You could picture this like 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 us all being at a swimming pool, okay? And the fellowship is going on inside the pool. Well, sometimes it can seem as if there's all these little pockets inside of one pool, and people aren't really getting outside of themselves. They uh, they're comfortable, uh, and it's natural to be able to spend our time and to be drawn to spending our time around people that are easy for us to be around and talk to and so forth and so on. But in some ways, what we need to do is is, uh, make sure that we aren't creating little pockets, little clicks inside the pool that no one else can get into. Now, the reason I'm using the pool illustration really is for the second. Because the other side of this is, is that there are people who are just walking around the pool thinking, I wish somebody wanted me in there when everybody else is wondering, why in the world aren't they in here? Um, There are times where people can feel like they're left out. and, And in some way, it's because they've left themselves out. They've excluded themselves. They've refused to enter into what everybody else has. And so we need to be inviting, but we also need to get in the pool, if that makes sense. And so we're going to have to work. I don't care what church you're talking about in any particular season in life. It's a natural thing to gravitate toward people that are easy to be around. And then if you find yourself in a season where maybe that's not happening as easily as it did in the past, uh, eventually you just got to jump in the pool and pursue it. So we got to do both. Now, I will say this about the commands in Scripture as far as the way that we're to care for one another and love one another and the things that we're going to be talking about here. The emphasis in these commands are always for the believer to be giving. Now, the receiving is a blessing and the receiving is a necessity. Okay, But we're to be busy giving these things. We're to be busy actively pursuing these things, serving in these ways. And so the way that a body functions in a way that we're having the same care for one another is not by getting everybody to expect everybody else to care for them, but it's to get everybody caring for one another. Okay, so it's an active reality. So again, how do we how do we live this out? Well, we've already mentioned this, but I'll mention it again. Number one, we have to be aware, and we have to work to intentionally avoid. Out of verse uh, twenty-five, uh, intentionally avoid uh, divisions or. Clicks now. A division can be a division that's based on um, you know doctrinal realities. It can be a division that's based on uh, some kind of offense, but it can also just be a a division where there's a closed offness that's there. Uh, So I would say one of the blessings and challenges uh, of the church here is many of us would say that we go to church with our best friends. If you want to know who we're closest to, they're probably in this room right now. Many of us would say that. Most of, I say most, I don't know about most, a lot of you grew up going to school with each other, fussing and fighting with each other, getting in trouble by Brother Mike with each other. Okay, And it's a family-type atmosphere. And it's 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 uh, it's it's relaxed. It's familiar, and it's good, but it also prevents or presents some challenges. Um, because sometimes some folks who haven't had that experience do not feel as comfortable, do not feel as plugged in, and sometimes we can forget we're supposed to be showing equal care for one another. Um, Now, I'm going to get into some specifics here in a minute as far as what we can practically be doing. And this is what the church ought to be doing. And um, we ought to be intentional. And intentional really is the key word. As I say this, please don't take it as you never do any of this any of the time. Please do take it as I need to kind of examine myself. And if some of these shoes fit, I need to go ahead and put them on and, and try to make some adjustments to the way that I think about gathering as the body and fellowship goes. So, one, work to intentionally avoid divisions or cliques. Number two, uh, this is all going to be motivated uh, and is an expression of love, isn't it? I mean, it's the, it's the second great command, Matthew twenty two thirty nine, that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. Love is not a feeling, it's an action. Love is something that's expressed, it's something that moves or motivates. John 13, 34 through 35, Jesus says that by this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you love one another, that you love one another. And so it's it's having love, cultivating love, expressing love, which really is the which is the second point here. It's not just enough to have this commitment that you love one another in an in an abstract way. Um, We also have to be able to communicate or relate with one another Love has to be communicated, and love is communicated in the way that we relate with each other. So turn to Proverbs 27. We're going to think about this practically. Because again, if you think, again, back on last week, ideally... For the church, what's supposed to be normal for the church is that the uh, the older men, right, are, are teaching the younger and the older women the the younger women, and and so that means a few things. Number one, it means that the older men and women need to be equipped to do that and need to be interested in doing that. But number two, it also means that the younger men and women are inviting that into their lives, that there's a there's a uh, an intentional um, pursuit of that. And a lot of that has to do with the way that we relate to each other. So if we say, you know, I would just love to have the kind of relationship where I was able to pour into a younger person or maybe a younger person says, I would love to have the type of relationship where an older person was pouring into me, uh, but you never pursue that and you never invite that. That's that's the kind of relating that we're talking about. So Proverbs chapter 27, verses five and six. Proverbs 27, five and six. says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Now, this may seem like a strange passage to go to when we're thinking about it, but this passage gives us four ways of relating, and there are four common ways of relating. So as I think about this and talk about this, I want you to be thinking, where do I fit into this? What's my MO? How do I typically operate? Uh, You'll notice that... um, In Proverbs 27, 5, and 6, particularly in verse 5, this is a better than statement. It means it would be better to have this than that. It doesn't mean that one is the ideal. So the first thing we have in Proverbs 27, verse 5, open rebuke is better than secret love. Open rebuke. This is relating to someone in a way that is open, but it's unloving. It's open, but it's unloving. So you may be saying the right things, but you may be saying the right things in a way that's rude, sarcastic, cynical, harsh. There are plenty of times where an open rebuke is necessary, but it's not always necessary. And if this is the only way that we're relating, this open and unloving way, there's certainly times when a rebuke can be loving, but if it's your flat across the board way that you're relating... It's going to be hard to justify that. You're open, um, but your openness is a real turnoff. You can't go long without reverting to, again, sarcastic, cynical, maybe comes across as rude, harsh, As we talk about these things, none of these are going to peg you in a way to where you think, well, i got no way to grow. I've just got it. There are times where we think, well, that's just my personality. That's just, it just is. It's just my personality. I've always been blunt. I've always been shy. I've always been filling the blame. Okay. And here's my response to that. And I think this would be the biblical response to that. It may be that you've always been blunt. And it may be that you've always been shy. But isn't it wonderful this morning that God's given you an opportunity to grow? That's what the body's all about. The fact that you're shy, that's zero whenever it comes to deterministic. Shyness is never an excuse for um, bypassing what God's calling you to do. Bluntness is never an excuse Harshness is never an excuse. Cynicism is never an excuse to bypass what God has called us to do. So while personalities are real, personalities are never an excuse for not growing and removing the hindrances that we have in our own hearts and lives for growing into and becoming what God's called us to be. So open and unloving. Secondly, it says that open rebuke is better than let me get the right word: secret love. That's closed and loving. Closed and loving. That means you love and appreciate people, but you never take the time to express it or let them know. Let them know. Um, maybe there's a, uh, there's a particular person. Uh, my goodness, it, it, it could be your spouse. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, think about all the wonderful things that your spouse does to serve you. Maybe it's a particular brother or sister in the church that you appreciate in a particular way, but you just, you're just not one to express that. You're just kind of quiet, again, maybe shy. Um, well, someone who is closed and loving is really loving in a way that no one can ever know, at least as far as the affections go. Third, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Okay, This is someone who is open and loving. Okay, you love and appreciate people openly. You express it when you have the opportunity. The wounds of a friend, that means you're willing to do the difficult things out of love for someone that you care for. And then it says, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. That's someone who's closed off and unloving. That is, it's not that I'm not talking to you because I'm shy. I'm not talking to you because I just don't like you. I just don't care for you. I've had my fill of you. Okay, so open and loving. I'm sorry, open and unloving, closed and loving Open and loving, or closed and unloving. Now, the ideal would be that we are open and loving toward each other. And you may say, well, that's a mouthful and kind of riddly, and I, I can't keep all that straight. Well, here's the point we have to be very intentional about being open and loving if we're going to interact this way with the whole body. It's so like I said earlier. We all have different preferences, we all have different personalities, we are all naturally drawn to different people. That's neutral. That's not right or wrong. That's not good or bad. What we do with that is what becomes good or bad. Now, here's another principle for us, Proverbs 18:24. A man who would have friends must himself be friendly. A man who would have friends must himself be friendly, must show himself friendly. So as members of the body who have been knit together and brought together by God, one of the goals that we ought to have for ourselves as we interact with one another is that at a baseline minimum, we're friendly with each other okay we we speak to one another we are intentional about interacting with each other if there's a conflict we resolve that conflict if there's something that's hindering our fellowship we pursue that and deal with it the way that it needs to be dealt with the other realities or one of the other things about loving and and, and being friendly. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says that love believes all things. And really that could also be translated as that that love believes the best about other people. And so just believing the best about our brothers and sisters until we're given a reason not to. One of the things that can really squelch fellowship is, is cynicism, just just interpreting actions, interpreting what you think is going on in the heart and the mind of someone else. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, you're not allowed to do that in the body of Christ. If you're going to function the way that you've been called to function, you've got to believe the best. So showing ourselves friendly. So what are some practical ways, practical disciplines that help us grow in this equal care for one another. Now, uh, I'm going to start out in in Philippians chapter 2. So turn there, Philippians chapter 2. Practical disciplines. Paul says in verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy fulfill you my joy, that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord of one mind, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Okay, discipline number one is Christ-like humility. The the humility that looks on the things of others rather than our own things. Now, this isn't just for a few people. This is for everybody. Every single heart in here, uh, in its natural bent, is focused on itself. We're we're all going to have to wrestle with this really until the day that we die. This is not... Um, this is not just for uh, uh, a select few. So the first step to equal church care and fellowship is getting our focus off of us. Like I said before, our natural bent is to walk around with a heart full of, I mean, I'll just talk about me. It's a heart full of me. Wondering why everybody else isn't thinking about me as much as I'm thinking about me. Okay, And that's your natural bent as well. And, and if we come and we gather together and we bring that sort of a heart into the fellowship that we have, there's absolutely no way that what's going to happen is what God's plan for the church as far as this equal care for each other. So it's this Christ-like humility, putting on a heart, cultivating a heart that seeks another's good, other's good above my own. Now, I will say, as we're thinking through these things, uh, one of the blessings of, of this new directory that just came out, if you didn't get yours, you need to go ahead and pick it up on the table and have your name on it, is, uh, is this can be used as a very helpful tool, even beyond finding somebody's phone number, address, or whatever. Um, I would encourage you, spend some time uh, being strategic, working your way through that directory, using it as a guide, so that you're praying for the families of the church. Maybe that's something you're doing with your entire family. Maybe it's something you're just doing as an individual. But making sure that you're going through, you're praying, you're thinking about, you're preparing your heart, maybe on Sunday morning or Saturday night, or even just through the week, together, together with the saints. Maybe you look through the directory and you think, who have I not had much of a conversation with in the last little bit, and be strategic about trying to make that happen the next time you gather together. So it's this humility that's not thinking about me, it's thinking about others. Now I'm going to give a couple of, a couple of other one-anothers. We could have gone through a bunch of these, but for time's sake, uh, we're going to hit a few more one-anothers that are necessary disciplines and ought to be regular disciplines um, for us in the church. Look in First Peter chapter five. First Peter Chapter Five verse 14 Peter says greet ye one another with a kiss of charity other places called a holy kiss peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus amen well you probably know already I'm not so much worried about the kiss um, but I do want to focus in on the command to greet we ought to greet one another. And really what's being communicated here is that we ought to initiate and pursue warm interaction with each other. Okay. This is not just, um, saying, Hey, how you doing? and moving on. This is an intentional pursuing this, this kiss here is an expression of care and acceptance and warmth. Again, we don't do it this way now, at least most of us don't. But it's, it's a, it's an initiation of warm fellowship, interaction with each other. It's more than just saying hello, but it's certainly not less than pursuing someone just to see how they are. Okay, that's a discipline. Who should we be doing that with? Well, everybody. Everybody, that, that should be a, a goal that we have. Now, it's not everybody necessarily every Sunday. You might not be able to get to everybody every Sunday, but on a regular basis, we ought to be interacting with the entire body and just at the base level, it would be taking the time and the initiative to greet one another. Now, just in case somebody's thinking, you know, I really do wish people would greet me more. You're missing the point. You ought to be greeting people more. Okay, That's the point. Taking the initiative, pursuing those maybe who you do not normally or naturally interact with. So discipline number one uh, in the one another's greet one another. Greet one another. Invite into warm fellowship. Number two, receive one another out of Romans 15, 7. Look at Romans fifteen seven. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Okay, To receive. It just means to take one in as a companion. To take someone into friendship or to grant access to one's heart. To grant someone access to your heart. So it's receiving them in as a friend, as a companion. It's very similar to the greeting, but it goes beyond that. It's more than just an invite. Taking someone in, broadening the circle out, it's, uh, adding. But, but here's the thing about these sorts of things. It's, it's always a two-way street. Okay. You can try to bring someone in, okay, but you can't drag them in by the hair of the head. You've got to be, if you're invited to come in, you've got to walk in. It's a two way, it's a two way deal. So we ought to be active seeking to receive one another. That is to take into friendship, to build friendships, to grant access, open up our hearts. Now there's another, there's another reality. As we're thinking about receiving one another, remember what I said earlier about the body of Christ. We are knit together, um, And our fellowship is based on the work of Christ in our lives and in our hearts and minds. And so there's nothing wrong with casual conversations, but this receiving one another, granting access to another of your heart, opening up your heart to another person. This is not small talk chit-chat. There's nothing wrong with small talk chit-chat. But that's not what this is talking about. You know, this is another part of what it means that if a man would have friends, he must show himself friendly. Well, if you would have deep conversations, then you've got to get below the surface. You've got to be willing to open up your heart and share it and then receive as others open up their hearts and share that with you. Again, it's a two-way street. This is not shallow conversation. It's not... Chit chat. We're talking about opening our hearts to one another, communicating our hearts to one another, receive one another. Next, out of Romans chapter 12, verse 10, Romans (laughs) chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. This is a command that we are devoted to a brotherly or a familial affection with one another. This is... Really, what we talk about when we think about the love of the brethren. We've been brought into the household of God. We're uh, part of the church of God. And so this devotion here denotes a tender and strong affection for someone else. Now, I think it's not, it's implied in the passage here. This is, Be kindly affectionate. This is something that you're commanded to do, you're commanded to pursue, but this is something that we've got to be devoted to. And it's not just for a few, it's for all. So, again, it's not about cultivating this for those who fall into, into your close circle, but it's about being devoted to brotherly affection as it relates to every member of the body. Seeking to cultivate that. Uh, seeking to um, express that. And again, there are some relationships in the body where this is going to be easier than others. That's fine. That's normal. That's neutral. But just because it's more difficult in other areas doesn't mean that it shouldn't be done. So uh, a brotherly affection, familial affection, it will really cause all of us to, to think outside of our comfort zone. as We bring in, or at least seek to bring in, others into this affection, into our hearts. It's something we're devoted to. It's something we have to work at. It's something that we have to strive for. So receiving one another, being devoted to this brotherly affection. Um, and then last, 1 Peter 4 1 Peter 4. And this last one is really just a a good way to cultivate the rest. One uh, One thing is going to be a factor on all of these, and that is how much time you're actually spending with people. It is impossible to have a brotherly affection, a familial affection for someone that you spend zero time with. It's going to be very difficult to take someone in and give access to your heart, or somebody you don't spend any time with. Okay, so so being intentional about making time, using time wisely is, is part of this. You know, it's it's no secret and it's no mystery. This is not a dig at anybody, it just is what it is. It's no secret or it's no mystery why the folks who are here Sunday morning, Sunday lunch, Sunday afternoon, Wednesday, and every other event that we have are a real close-knit group of folks. And the factor there is time spent together. Uh, You can't replace that, you can't make up for that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. And I'm, I realize this message, I'm just taking principles and, and going on them, uh, expounding on them a little bit. But use hospitality to one another. That's really the part I want to get. Okay, this is just the discipline of having people in your home. Getting to know one another in an informal setting. It's an act of service. It's an act of fellowship that strengthens relationships within the body. And it's a command in Scripture. I realize we live busy lives. Uh, I've said this before, but I don't know anyone who's saying, I wish I had more to do. You know, my, my, aside from, you know, kids that want to be doing something that they can't do. And so all of a sudden they get bored until you give them something to do. And then they right. But I don't know anybody who says, I wish things would just speed up. Uh, we're all busy. But whenever we think about priorities and we think about disciplines, uh, this is not a command that you have somebody in your house uh, three or four times a week. It's just that it becomes a regular discipline and whatever rhythm that you can uh, put it in, in whatever season of life that you happen to be in. But again, it's no secret, house fellowship as we have one another in each other's homes and we're able to focus on each other and fellowship with each other in an informal way strengthens the relationship strengthens the fellowship, strengthens our understanding of one another and our affection for one another. So hospitality. This is something that should be a whole body thing. And by that, I don't mean you should have the whole body over at your house at one time. We've done that and that's fine, but that's not necessarily what I'm talking about here. When I say a whole body thing, I mean we should be seeking to have Uh, uh, allow every member of the body to participate. And we ought to be seeking to serve in this way. Now, I know that this can present some challenges um, in a church like ours where we have uh, people who live far away. Um, The minority of the members at Ripley Primitive Baptist Church actually live in Ripley. OK, that's a challenge. Now, That's not unique to us. The last time I was at Cincinnati Primitive Baptist Church and I was talking to uh, Brother Bradley and, and Brother Jeremiah, they were they were talking about the same thing. And they said they one of the challenges they have is they have members that live in three different states uh, just because of where they're, where they're positioned. So it's 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 difficult at times to uh, to be able to make all that work. Sometimes people feel bad because they live so far away from the church. Here's what I want to encourage you. Don't let distance get in the way of you being hospitable. Thankfully, in God's providence, the English language has the word no in it. So that if you invite someone over and that day is just too much because of the distance... By God's grace, they can say, no, I'm sorry. This is not going to work out. Not today. Um, maybe another time, something like that. But don't let distance get in the way of that. Uh, there may be times that, that there are, are things that you just can't make it to. That's fine. But we ought to be intentional and we also ought to really try to take advantage of these kinds of opportunities. Now, I said this earlier, but I'll just say it again. The reality is, as we think about equal care for one another, again, we're called to serve, we're called to be involved, we're called to be active in these things. And the reality is, the more we participate and the more that we're plugged in into the things that are going on, the more care we can receive and will receive and can give. Okay, so I'm not for, for as church-wide. I'm not for trying to fill our weeks and evenings with a bunch of extra stuff to do to try to manufacture this sort of thing. What I am for is for us using the time that we have wisely. So again, on Sunday, we ought to come being intentional about making sure that we're seeking to reach out to those that maybe we haven't had much of a conversation with in the last little bit. That we're uh, seeking to engage this can happen through conversation. A good opportunity for this is at lunch. Um, we're creatures of habit. I'm a creature of habit. If it weren't for habit, I would get nothing done. But I, I just mindlessly do things. So, so trying to get out of that And doesn't mean you can't sit with people that you're close to at lunch. It just means that you're mindful to bring people into that circle uh, inviting people into that circle again, Wednesday nights, um, Monday evening men's Bible study here every other Monday. Uh, the, I think it's still on Thursday, the Thursday night, young men's Bible study, uh, the women's book study. All of those are opportunities, um, The Bible studies and book studies are really a a great opportunity in in, more of an informal kind of way uh, for us to try to care for one another, not just to receive it, but to give it. And so, brothers and sisters, one of the challenges that any church has at any time in its existence is to remember as individuals that we are called to be concerned for, care for, and serve every member of the body because God has strategically and intentionally placed them here for a purpose. And God's ultimate goal is that we would all come to the unity of faith, to the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. And so may God bless us to be uh, intentional about this responsibility that we've been given. Let's pray. Father, we uh, we do thank you uh, for the church of God. We thank you for the church here at Ripley that you have given us. And Father, I thank you uh, just for the blessing that it is to be able to be a part. Now, I pray that you would bless us to be intentional about, um, about caring for one another, caring for each part of the body uh, as equally as we can. Lord, I pray that you would Bless uh, those of us who can get uh, just into mindless routine to, uh, to, 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 to function outside of that. I pray that you would bless those who are a little hesitant uh, to move uh, uh, forward with um, intentionality. And Lord, I pray that we would be a group uh, that um, witness to the world your love by the way that we love one another. I pray that you would uh, just be with us uh, as we move into our lunch fellowship, afternoon service. We pray for all those who are in need. In Jesus' name, amen.